What's up, bitches? This is Morgan, and I'm taking the lead today. Oh, what's up, bitches? This is Sierra, and I am terrified. As you should be. And this is Bitches and Murders. murders. <laughs> I'm so. Morgan is way too excited, and that scares the shit out of me because nothing good comes from her being excited. I think I'm part insane after this one, to be honest. Probably. I, th- I think I've actually gone insane. It's yeah. fine. You'll you'll figure out why. I'm gonna pause this. Uh, okay, so before we start, we have slight housekeeping. Mild housekeeping? Mild housekeeping. It's the housekeeping because I done fucked up. So We done did the thing wrong. I done did the thing wrong. So last episode I shouted out a buddy of mine who uh we're planning to do a collab with in the future, uh, who is Rizzo. Um I gave you the wrong social media. Uh, so the one that I gave you, which is the Rizzo on the radio, that is his Snapchat, which I highly recommend following because his Snap stories fucking crack me up. Like, they get me through my day because he's just hilarious. Um, but the one that I shouted out wrong was his Twitter. Uh, his Twitter is actually at RizzoKHQ. Um, so I'm sorry, bud, for shouting you out wrong, but I fixed it. So we're good now. We're kosher. All the things are good now. <laughs> We've come full circle. Full circle. And now you're ready. No, I'm not. For what I have affectionately named the fucking All of that was just putting off having to deal with this because I straight up don't trust you. I have literally been putting this off for weeks. Like, I just want you to know that I have been putting this off for weeks. And actually, it's not because the crime is that fucked up. Because I've actually covered much more fucked up things. But. It's the butt that scares me. This case has driven me to, like, literal insanity. I, um, to preface this before (laughs) we start. I stumbled along this person, um, kind of just, like, randomly. Um, they kind of just sort of came up, and I was like, oh, that might be interesting, and, like, kind of marked it down to, like, look into later. Um, and then when I started looking into it, it is, like, it's very complex and confusing, because he moves around constantly, and he changes names constantly. Um, so it's kind of a lot to, like, sift through, and I have no exaggeration. Spent over 40 hours looking into his life, um, the life of all of his victims, and then um, I think that they're severely uh, misjudged on his victims. Um, so I've spent, honestly, no joke, probably over 40 hours alone checking okay? every single missing person and Jane Doe in every single state that he is known to have visited. I've printed out like 30 maps. Like I have it all drawn in. I've searched through literally thousands of women. Literally thousands. And I've identified a good amount that I think that he did kill, and then a bunch that he was in the area and, like, are probable. Are you okay? No. (laughs) I am not. I know basically every woman who's disappeared from, like, half of the United States and what happened to them and where they were found. It's fine. I've also gone through every Jane Doe that I can find. So, you know... I mean, cool stuff. Go off on your level of dedication. Yeah, so I've only been pushing this off for weeks because I just like, there's just so much and I haven't known how to break it down, but we're gonna try. 
and I need you to tell me when it's confusing because it will probably get confusing at some point because there is so many layers. That's literally to all this. I'm here for is to like keep her in check. Like how she kept me in check in the science episode. I got. You. I am here to keep her in check for this episode. Okay, so the beginning is honestly boring, but it's gonna be important for setting the scene. So set, set the scene. Set it. Sort of. Okay. Do it. Put some setting powder on it. Set it. Okay, so Terrence Peter Rasmussen was Bless born. You. I know. I know. It's <laughs> awful. Um, so he was born in Denver, Colorado, December twenty-third of nineteen forty-five. So, um, he kind of just chilled in Denver for a while. Um, 1954 to 58, he attended Whitaker Elementary School in Phoenix, Arizona. So sometime between, like, around, like, 54-ish, they moved to Arizona. Um, 59 through 60, he attended North High School in Phoenix, and he dropped out his sophomore year. So not very educated. Um, 1961, he enlists in the Navy. 1967, he was discharged from the Navy. I actually did not look into his time in the Navy because there really wasn't much to see. So who knows what the fuck he did while he was in the Navy and overseas. Okay, then. So I don't even know. I'm not even touching that fuckery. I have friends that were in the Navy and went overseas. And let me tell you, I know things that I wish I didn't know. So trust me, you don't want to know. Yeah, I'm not even touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Especially after all... is a terrifying place, Kyle. Especially after all the stuff he does later. It just... Oh, man. Okay. So he gets back from the Navy and he moves to Hawaii to work in his parents' shoe shop. Okay. Uh, July 20th of 1968, he marries his first wife in Hawaii. 1969, him and his family moved to Phoenix again, like okay. moved from Hawaii back to Phoenix, and he has twin daughters. At this time, he's working as an electrician under a boss named Otto, but like we don't know what the name of the place was okay. or like really any details. 1970, they moved to Redwood City, California, where he's an electrician in Palo Alto, and his son is born. Okay. 1972, he has another daughter that's born, and in that same year, his wife leaves him. 1973, he moves back to Phoenix, where he works for the same auto again, and he also works at a shoe shop. Now, this is the beginning of the things that actually matter. Okay. Uh, but that's kind of just demonstrating he has a family. They kind of bounce around, because uh, he bounces around literally so much. That's one of the reasons it's, like, hard to keep track of what he did. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Clearly, he's already bounced around quite a bit before any of the fuckery begins. Right. Okay, so in April of 1973... He's arrested in Phoenix for aggravated assault. Right after this, like, his wife and children, like, left, left? Like, they were, like, kind of separated in 1972, okay. and at this, they were, she was like... Like, this is official. Done. Fuck out of here. Um, so, December 1975 to 76. So, his wife and children left, and they moved to a place called Payson, Arizona. Okay. So, and they're just not with him. He's doing his own thing. They don't know what the fuck. They don't know where he is. They don't know what he's doing. Like, they don't really even, like, talk to him. Okay. So, December of 1975, he literally just shows up. <laughs> with a, just a random bitch. He just brings a literal, a random girl with him that no one knows. Shows up at his family's old house, like, house. Mm-hmm. And, which is actually very bizarre. He told them that he was living in the Casa Del Rey apartments in Angleside, Texas. Okay. Uh, and that was the last time they ever saw him. This very bizarre, Go strange time that he came and visited them with this random girl. Okay, so 
And the, okay, this is also the hard part is there's just large amounts of time where he's not accounted for. Okay. Uh, so like we literally, and he bounces around so much that like we literally have no idea like like what states he was player. in, where he was working. He also changes his name constantly, like I said. So, okay, so 1978 June, he's working in Houston, Texas, for the Brown and Root Company, and they had a record that he quit. For another job. If you guys just heard that clap, I'm sorry. There's been a bug flying around my apartment all goddamn day. I know, I was day, like, is there a bug? And it's been driving me absolutely insane, and I finally got him. <laughs> Continue. Okay, so he was working for this company, and okay. in their records, like, they had it written down that he, like, quit to start working at a different job. All right. But at the same time, he called a friend of his and asked them for money. But in the same conversation, he told them that he was working for an oil rig. And, like, people who work on oil rigs, like, make pay. Yeah. They make stupid money. So, like, why would he be asking someone for money? Yeah. So, I feel like that's just a lie. Oh, completely. Um, so, who the fuck knows what's happening? Uh, that's kind of the theory. Like, that's the main thread of everything. It's just what the fuck is happening. What is happening? Okay. So. <laughs> you already look exasperated. <laughs> I am. Okay, so September of 1978, the divorce is officially final. 100% final. Okay. We are done. But no one has seen him. It's because he signed the papers, like, back in the day, but, like, no one has seen him since then. So he's clearly he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, so 1978-ish, um, he's working at Wombach Mills as head electrician. So this is in, Wombach Mills is in New Hampshire. Okay. So all of a sudden we're in fucking New Hampshire from Texas. Who fucking yeah. knows why? What the hell happened in the middle of it? And now he's under an alias called Robert T. Evans. I mean, his original name's real hard to work through, so I don't blame him. This is really the start of the fuckery. This is where <laughs> it starts getting oh, no. fucky. Okay. But just all of the other stuff is kind of sort of important context, just so you kind of know. He bounces around a lot. Yeah. A little sketchy with family, whatever. Okay. February of 1980. He's arrested in Manchester, New Hampshire as Bob Evans. Like the restaurant. Yeah, I know. Okay, so he... Which, actually, this is kind of bullshit that you can be arrested for this. Um, but he issued a bad check. So, essentially, just, like, a check that bounced. Um, he had, like, insufficient funds what? on December 21st, 1979, and he got arrested for it. Since when can you get arrested for that? Apparently you can, at least back in the 80s. I don't know oh. if that's still a thing or not. That's interesting. Okay. This is important. This is going to come back later. Okay. On that arrest report, they ask you, you know how, like, they'll ask you for, like, your, uh, like, a, uh, what is it, like, your, your contact, like, yeah. if something happens, emergency contact. There you yeah. go. Okay. I was, like, trying to work you through that. But so, he listed Elizabeth Evans as his spouse under emergency contact. Okay. That means nothing now, but that's gonna be important later. Okay. Elizabeth Evans. So, May of 1980, he's arrested again. Okay. Literally, what is that, three months later? Also in Manchester, New Hampshire, because he stole electricity. This gets her theft of services. Oh. oh. So, he also listed Elizabeth Evans as a spouse. But in October of 1980, when he gets arrested again Dude in Manchester, New Hampshire. Also for stealing electricity. <laughs> My god. He doesn't list a spouse. 
that'll be important later. So Wait. somewhere between May and October, Elizabeth Evans is no longer a spouse. Who's Elizabeth Evans, though? No one knows. Okay. No one talk. has any fucking idea. But that'll, it'll, it'll make sense later. Okay, so 1980 was a rough fucking year. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, So 1981, it's getting a little better. He's living on Hayward Street in um, Allenstown, New Hampshire, with this lady called Denise Bogarden. And her, she has a daughter from like a previous relationship. Okay. It's very young. Cool. November (laughs) of 1981, Rasmussen and Denise go to... um, I actually don't remember what state, but I think it's California her family's in. I'm not sure. Anyways, they go to Thanksgiving with her family, where okay. she introduces um, them all to, like, probably some of them to her six-month-old daughter, because some of them probably haven't met her daughter yet. And then also to her boyfriend, Terry. Okay. Okay. All of that no longer matters. Uh, I mean, it does matter. <laughs> but uh, fast forward, because the next time we hear from ya boy. Ya boy. Is March of 1984. So we don't hear anything about him. There's zero records. We have no idea what he did for three years. Okay. Totally off. This man is a master of going off the grid. Like, it's disgustingly amazing how good he is. Okay, so March of 1984, he's hired under the name Curtis Kimball (laughs) by an electrical company in Los Alamitos, California. Okay. So he stayed there until the May of 1985. When he was arrested in a nearby Again. city, uh, it was just Cypress, California, um, under the name Curtis Mayo Kimball for a DUI. So many names. So please tell me if they get confusing. Okay. Okay. First of all, if you're going under an alias, maybe don't do anything illegal. Yeah. Just a thought here. So this is where it gets more confusing. Oh, God. I'm ready. I'm so sorry. It's just going to consistently get more confusing from here, and this is why I need you. (laughs) Okay. So that was in May. Rested for DUI. Now we're in November. November of 1985. We're just going to forget about Homeboy for a second. Okay. November of 1985, in a place called Bearbrook State Park in Allenstown, New Hampshire, There is, okay, so it's essentially like a junkyard, sort of. It used to be like a grocery store, but it burnt down. Um, And then, like, kind of like a junkyard, like, formed around it. But, like, a lot of, like, kids will go there to play and stuff because it's not really, like, patrolled or anything. And they can, like, just kind of fuck around in, like, the abandoned building and stuff. Um, So they found, uh, it was a hunter who was, like, cutting back, I think, through. Uh He accidentally... I don't know if he opened it on purpose or it was an accident, but for some reason, one of the bear, there was like these 55 gallon drums, like those big metal ones. Yeah. And it got knocked over. And when it got knocked over, a bunch of plastic fell out and they realized that there was bodies wrapped in plastic in in this barrel. Okay. So in the barrel, they found, um... It was two bodies wrapped in plastic sheeting, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he called the police. Um, so the police came and, like, checked it out and everything. Um, in the barrel, they found a woman who was between 23 and 33. So pretty young. Um, she was a mix of Caucasian and Native American okay. with uh, 
long, curly, wavy brown hair. She was between 5'2 and 5'7. Um, she Wait, had, that is a big range. Yeah. It's, uh... Oh. It can be kind of hard to tell Were sometimes, they? though. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then she also had... Because... We don't know this yet, uh, but these were, like, not the newest bodies either. So, like, they were pretty decayed and stuff oh, as well. Oh, gotcha. Um, so she had significant dental work, three extractions, and multiple fillings. Um, so that could show that she was a little more low income, because mm-hmm. um, that tends to run with, like, dental work. And well, she was dead from blunt force trauma to the head. And no offense, Native Americans, but, like, y'all dental genetics suck. Yeah, they tend to not be the best. Um and it, it kind of seems like, I mean, no, we're not going to talk about that yet, but we'll, we'll get into it. There's a lot about these women, and it gets real fucking crazy. Okay. Okay, so also in the barrel with homegirl is a 5 to 11-year-old girl. Oh. I know that is a pretty big range, um, but it's really hard to tell with children. Yeah, when because, they're kids. They're yeah, everybody hard. grows differently, and, like, it's it's really hard to tell. Um, so she was also white and Native American. Um, she had crooked front teeth with a gap between her front teeth. I don't know. I just like including the details. It makes me feel good. Okay. Uh, she had two earrings in each ear. She was between four, three and four, six. So pretty tiny. She also had wavy light brown hair. Okay. She was also dead from blunt force trauma to the head. And she was the biological child of the woman found. Okay. That's what I was just going to ask. Was it a mother daughter? And this is also important later. She had signs of pneumonia. Ooh. The young child. Okay. We're moving on from that. Watching you scroll through your notes is, like, my favorite thing right now. Because, <laughs> like, you're just... Okay, you know the meme of, like, the guy... Oh, gosh, I can't think of the actor's name. But he's, like, in front of a, a cork board, and it's got, like, red strings all over it. Oh, Charlie. And, yeah, yeah, from Always Sunny. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just, like, <laughs> looks insane trying to explain how everything's connected. That is literally me. The, literally you right now. There's so many strings here. Okay, so now, forget about that for a minute. (laughs) Now we're on something completely different that's going to make no sense, but I promise they all come together. January of 1986, Santa Cruz County, California. Okay. What happened? Homeboy is now working at at the Holiday Host RV Park under the name Gordon Jensen. Okay. So, this shit... Okay, I remember how I found this case, actually. Okay, so there's this uh, podcast called Jensen and Holes. It's called Murder, Murder Squad. That yeah. it is. It's amazing. Paul Holes is my actual hero. Anyways, um, but they actually, like, uh, I think it's actually Jensen. Because they had the same last name, and I remember him talking about it because they're spelled differently. He, he actually had this case. Oh, okay. Like, he was there. And they also had on, like, the lady who also dealt with him, like, later on and stuff. It's yeah. super fascinating. She, like, even calls in. They talk to her live. Very interesting. Um, I got real crazy about it. Went really way more in-depth than they do. Uh, so they explain some of this stuff probably a little better than I will because, like, they have the people involved talking and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so listen to that episode and then come back to this. But holy <laughs> shit, dude. It gets weird. It gets weird. I literally titled this, This Bullshit Man, in oh. all caps. Okay. Alright, hit me with it. What happens? Okay, so Gordon Jensen and his daughter move into the Holiday Host RV park, right? Okay. Okay, 
So in this park, he like he's very low income, like doesn't really have a job, but he's kind of running like this side hustle where he fixes VCR machines and like tapes. Because remember, this is like the 80s. Yeah. Okay, so he's making like a pretty good amount of money doing that. Um, so he meets this family. They're trying to have a kid, but they can't. Oh. Uh, well, it's like, I think he actually meets like the sister of the girl. But anyways, he finds out about this family. They're trying to have a kid and they can't manage it. So he tells them, hey, I need to go out of town for a few weeks. Um, I really didn't know what to do with my daughter. Like, this isn't really a trip I can bring her on. I also don't really have a lot of money. I'm having a lot of hard, like a hard time taking care of her and like both of us. So how about you take her for these two weeks, see if you like her, see if you get along, and if it goes well, you can adopt her when I get back. Which is already just... What? I mean... We wouldn't know. No, we're not glossing over that. Yeah. What? So obviously they they thought this was weird. But at the same time... she's not a fucking puppy. You don't get to, like, keep it for a little bit overnight and then decide if you get along with it to... No. I think they were kind of no. like, I think they were kind of like, well, obviously, like, they thought it was very weird. But at the same time, I think they were like, well, I mean, it's better that he finds her a happy home with people who could take care of her rather than, like, giving her a shitty life where, like, she can barely eat and stuff. So I think they were kind of like, that's super fucking weird. But, like, I mean, we'd rather her have a good home kind of a thing. I mean, like, I get it. But at the same time, like. Yeah, it's really sketchy. And even they thought it was really sketchy. Yeah, it's super weird. Okay. So, uh, you know, like I said, they were very fucking weirded out by this, but they tentatively accept. Um, so, when they get the girl, they find out that she has been, like, sexually assaulted. Okay. Uh, so they were kind of, like are, like, pretty much on high alert and kind of, like, we don't want to give her back. Yeah. Uh, and they, like, just, and, it, and it went well, too. Like, they liked the girl and it went really well. And they were like, okay, we are definitely going to adopt her. Like, she is not fucking going back with this guy. Uh, not surprisingly, he never came back. Wow, I'm so shocked. Um, Can you hear it? Can you hear how shocked I am in my voice? Yeah, so obviously, like, they got the police involved. Um, and... This shit, shit was actually crazy. Like, this is one of the few times where it's like, oh, shit, like, the police actually did a good job. Because these <laughs> motherfuckers... These, so they're not the LAPD. No, they're smart as fuck. They, because he worked on VCR tapes. They found someone who oh. had one fixed, opened the tape, found a fingerprint, and were able to issue a warrant for his arrest. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, dude, isn't that brilliant? That's amazing. Yeah, super fucking smart. Go off. And so when they put that in the system, they find out that Gordon Jensen is the same person as Curtis Kimball, who got arrested for that DUI. Right. Because they fingerprinted him. So they've figured out that these are... The same person. ...aliases and the same person. Okay. Okay. And then the girl... I'm with Happy you. story. She does end up getting adopted, um... They find out, obviously, later that she is, uh, oh, I didn't even mention this. <laughs> Maybe not, obviously. Uh, they find out later that she is Denise Bogarden's daughter. And that so was the his daughter, first wife. No. Uh, that was no. the girl that he went to her family Thanksgiving. Oh, okay, that's right. And then, that's like, right. no one heard from him for three years. Okay. And she had a six-month daughter, six-month-old daughter at <gasps> that Thanksgiving thing. No, he took her. Yeah, so they found out later that that was her mother. And she she goes under a different name now. Um, 
she is happy and in witness protection and Aww. is I mean, moved on. She's good. She's good. good. Um, I'm not even going to like mention her name because I don't want anyone to look her up because she obviously does not want anyone to look her up. So she is happy and good and an adult and fine. Awesome. Cool. Um, so November 1988, once again, two more years, no idea what the fuck happened to him. Okay. He's pulled over. This shit's just crazy. Okay, Why so he gets people always get pulled over. Like, yeah, dear serial killers of the world, stop, stop disobeying traffic. You know laws. what he got pulled over for? Driving a stolen vehicle from Preston, Idaho. So I don't even know how he got this car. I don't know if that means he was in Idaho at one point and stole a car, or if he stole a car like, or if, like somebody one, was visiting and or something. Yeah, or if he stole one from someone visiting or what. A- I don't fucking know. And that's in San Luis Obispo, California. And this time... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, nowhere near Idaho at all. Uh, And then he he gives them the name Jerry Mockerman. And I think he is literally mocking the cops at this point. Oh, huh. Mockerman. Okay. Uh, So douche. Right. So, March of 1989... He's rearrested in California on those warrants from the child abandonment. Okay. And he's sentenced to three years. Three years. And no one questions where this girl came from. They didn't test if it was his daughter. It's not literally not until like years later that they find out that that wasn't his daughter at all. And it's like Denise's daughter. Yeah. So literally serves not even one year. So that was March of 1989. October of 1990, he was already paroled. So they paroled him, and he just disappeared. Like, never had a parole visit anything. He just completely disappears. I hate all of the law enforcement involved in this case, except for the ones that lifted the fingerprint from the VHS tape. And guess what? We don't hear from him for another eight years. So we hear from him again in June of 1998. Eight years later, when he's pulled over in California... Under the name Lawrence William Varner. For not having insurance or a driver's license. Stop. Oh, man. What a fucking mess, dude. Okay, so we're gonna, once again, take a brief depart from this story. Okay. We're gonna go back to Bear Brook in the barrels. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. May of 2000. So, okay, they have not solved this at all. They don't know who these girls are. They literally know nothing. This has never been solved. They have zero leads. They know absolutely nothing. So 15 years later, a detective who was, like, investigating the cold case goes back to the scene to see, like, kind of just, like, get a feel for it and kind of, like, put himself in the shoes of whoever did this. Yeah. Oh, man. You're going to hate this so much. He finds another barrel identical to the first barrel. Oh, no. And he kicks it to see if it's empty. And when he kicks it, he realizes it is definitely not empty. So he calls in backup, all that stuff, and they find two more bodies wrapped in plastic. And you want to know the fucking kicker? These bodies were put there at the exact same time as the other barrel. The police just didn't search the rest of the junkyard to see if there was any more. So these are not new bodies. These are the exact same bodies that were there in 1985. They just didn't look for them. I wish you guys could see the, like, 
disappointment and resentment on my face right now. Because that's just fucking ridiculous. How do you suck at being a police officer that bad? Oh, yeah. So this time, in this barrel, they find a two- to four-year-old girl. Um, She has a gap between her front teeth with an overbite. She also has brown hair. She is about 3'8". And she is not a child of the woman. Oh. They also find a one to three year old girl with long blonde hair. Um, she was between two one and two six, also with a gap between her front teeth, and she is a child of the woman. So to clear up confusion, we have a woman right. in her late twenties to yes. early thirties. Her five to eleven year old daughter. Yes. Her one to three year old daughter. Yes. And then another random girl who is between two to four. Who's not related to anybody. Not related to anybody. Just a random fucking girl. What the fuck? And doing isotope testing, which is fascinating, I will absolutely do a mini episode on this if someone wants me to. It's so interesting. It's so fascinating. So they found out that all of them had lived together in the same area in northeastern, like the northeastern U.S. uh, between two weeks to three months before their death. So they had spent like a little bit, like, of time in the area where they were found. Yeah. Um. But the non-related child spent most of her childhood in upper, the upper northeast, northeast, <laughs> northeast slash upper Midwest. Right, so like Patrick. Michigan, Wisconsin, yeah, Ohio, like that kind of area. Okay. So that is the thing that happens. Okay. We'll touch on why that's important later, but that is the thing that happened in May of 2000. So fast forward another four years that we have no idea what the fuck he's been doing for four years. 2002. Okay. Terry's girlfriend at the time. I'm going to, I'm going to massacre her name. And I'm you so can sorry. do it. I believe in you. Yoon Sun Joon. Yoon Soon Joon. Huh, let me look. It's hard. Uh, I think you're right. Yoon Sun Joon. It's, it's difficult. Uh, she disappears from Richmond, California. And this girl's a baller. She's like a chemist. She's super smart. I literally have this titled, Holy Shit Balls, Here We Go. Because this fucking story is wild. Oh, no. Wild. Okay. So, he's living with... June? June? June. I'm gonna call her June. June? He's living with June, who is a chemist, like I said, and she's very successful. Okay. So... This whole little, like, thing is, like, prefaced by, um, he told the neighbors, because they were, like, living together, mm-hmm. and he told the neighbors that he had a rat problem, and that he had, like, laid out a bunch of poison for them, and so, like, if they smelled anything weird. Yeah. So if they smelled anything weird, that's what it was. Definitely just rats. Yeah. Only rats. Mm-hmm. Don't question anything. Definitely just rats. Um. Yeah, that's not sketchy or anything. Uh, but then, obviously, like, she disappeared, and everybody was, like. Yeah, that's fucking suspicious. Um, so the police were sent to his house with a warrant. Holy shit, dude. Okay, so everything seemed <laughs> holy shit, dude. Perfectly normal, right? Yeah. Until they found the fucking egg. Okay, so the, the it was confusing the how they described this in the thing because they talked to the girl who was like there, like the detective who was like there and doing all of this. Um, and it was kind of confusing. It kind of sounded like they found this in the garage, but then someone else kind of said it like they found it in the basement. So I'm not 100% sure exactly where they found her, but it was either like the garage or a basement or something similar to that. Um, 
So they everything seemed perfectly normal. There was like no signs of like a struggle or like anything. And then they like turned the corner and found. Oh no! A five foot. Okay, so five foot by three foot pile of cat litter. Oh. Like, like someone who had just, like, opened, like, a big bag after big bag, like, right on top of each other. Like, that kind of big, like, pile that that would make. Okay. Okay, so instantly they're like, what the fuck? I was, like, so scared for that, but it wasn't. Oh, you'll see. So, I need to be scared for this night. They were like, oh, what the fuck? Is she in there? Oh, she's in there. So they get crime scene people. No. And they're taking photos, and they, like, shift, like, they, like, bumped it just slightly, and, uh, it, like thing and there was like a foot still wearing a flip-flop sticking no. out of the pile yeah so they uncovered her she was dead of you guessed it blunt force trauma to the head hmm, weird uh and he had tried to use the cat litter obviously to like mask the smell that's not how cat litter works yeah you know it really At is all. is not um in any way shape or form no so he was brought into custody as soon as they find like as like, they, they went from there to, like, go find him. And then, like, obviously immediately arrested him. Yeah. Um. So then I have an interview to play for you. Ooh. Play it, play it, play it, play it, play it. It's super... I'm uh, excited. Interesting. I suppose. Let me find it. Okay, we're just gonna turn the volume all the way up and hope that the microphone catches this. If not, I will insert audio later that is better. Okay. So, I will also share this link to our Patreon, so you can watch this yourself. I-R-L. Um, but just for context, this is creepy guy. And oh, that's he... the police. Yeah, he looks like a... Literally, freak. all I can see is a bald spot right now. And, like, I'm already mad about it. Gonna pause this for just a second. You should also definitely watch this at home. I'm going to try to splice in the audio as best I can, but, like, he is he just mumbles a lot, yeah. and he is, like, just in general kind of hard to understand. Uh, they haven't said this, but I think he drinks a lot of alcohol, uh, which makes you hard to understand. Oh, I, there's no questions for it. Until I could get my ducks lined up. Yeah, Fuck so he actually you, asked police if they would wait a couple of um, days to, like, arrest him. Like, before they threw him in jail. He was like, hey, can you give me some time so I can, like, get my shit together? Uh, they obviously said no. <laughs> I'm gonna pause here just for a second. First of all, I love how fed up this cop is of him. Like the cop you just, can just tell by his body language, does not he's care. But like, I love that this dude's like, "You're not my priest. You're not my doctor. Like, he's I like don't you don't to deserve to, to know you. about my relationship." Like, like, dude, fuck 
off with your pretentious ass. Like you were literally at the police station. I think the three th- people you tell people things to are your priest, your doctor, and the police. <laughs> I think they count in that. They're like the Holy Trinity here, but go off. The Holy Trinity. Oh my god. Okay. The thing that freaks me out about him is I feel like he is just very much, like, just a stereotypical American, which is the scary part. Like, I feel like he seems just like a lot of guys. He just seems like a drunk white dude. Like, he just seems like a typical older guy who's just like, yeah, "Yeah, I love my country, I drink a beer sometimes, like, a a good old boy. I just hate that he was like, well, you know, there's this and that and then the middle of the road and that's where the- Like, that is- only applicable to a situation where you're telling a story, somebody's telling a story about the same situation, but with different details. Yeah, I don't think a dead body counts as another side in the of the story. Is the truth. When they find a dead body... I think the dead body is the truth. Whatever the tr- facts the body there's, says. There's no this side and that side and then the middle's the truth. Like, the, the, the body's the fucking truth. Yeah, that's just the facts. It's not how this works, my dude. Uh, and the rest of it's not as interesting. Like, he just kind of rambles and is like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you shit. Can but, we talk uh, about his bald spot and the It's prodigious. Squirt. Like, it's all the way back. Oh, yeah. He kept asking them, I suppose. Like, he asked them for, like, a lot of squirt, like, specifically. I can't remember if it's squirt or mellow yellow. I think it's squirt, though. It's like squirt. And, they, and he, like, asked them for cigarettes constantly. And he kind of just rambles. But they they released this later on in 2000. Or, 2002 was one of those taken. I think they released this in 2016 okay. because they wanted people like all over the nation to watch it and see if anyone like knew this guy or like, like recognized, recognized this guy. So this was like actually a pretty important like interview. It's I'm I'm not over his bald spot, dude. It's so like it's like it's so intense. all the way back. Like it just goes so like, just far. shave at that point, my dude. Oh uh, yeah, it's just oh man. Okay, so. Obviously, like, November, he's arrested. Yeah. Um, they also get him on a parole violation, so, like, it's kind of like a double whammy. Well, yeah, because you're not supposed to fucking kill people while you're out on parole. And then he's fingerprinted, and they connect him to Curtis Kimball <laughs> and Gordon Jensen. I think it's actually, like I said, I'll link the interview in, because I think it might be later on in this interview, they actually come in, or it might be a different, I'd find it, but they actually come in and they're like, oh, so it's Terry Rasmussen, right, or... or or should I call you Gordon Jensen? Or or what was it again? Uh, Curtis Kimball? Do you like Curtis Kimball? And, like, they really go hard. And oh, it's, man. It's great. Uh, if they didn't do literally every other thing wrong, it'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's convicted in 2003 in June. Convicted of murder. Sentenced to 15 to life. Um, and it wasn't until August of 2003 that they confirmed that he was not the father of the girl that he abandoned. What? It literally took so long. God. So he dies in December of 2010 of natural causes at the High Desert Prison in Susanville, California. That's disappointing. Now, I wish this was the end of the fuck. What do you mean? He's dead. 
Well, we got to fill in some gaps. Oh, okay. No. So July of 2016, like I said, uh, or no. Okay. So July of 2016, the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office contact New Hampshire police talking about him because they realized that he like traveled back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, we might need to have a talk. We might need to chit chat. So October of 2016, DNA confirms that. He was the dad of the two to four year old girl in the barrel. <gasps> Shut The random girl that up. we didn't know. That's his daughter. But we have no idea who the mom is. Like Shut literally no idea at up. all. But I'll fill that in. Uh, because ironically enough, I thought, okay, this like literally like blew my mind. And I'm sure it also like Paul Holes and like Jensen are out there also like with their minds blown because they made this episode, and then I made this episode. Anyways, um, like, doing all this research, obviously had all this information. And then literally, like, two weeks ago, more information broke in this case. And, like, that's so crazy that, like, we both did it so recently. And just after literally, oh, God, math is hard. Whatever 15 plus 19 is. What is, I should know that. 34. 34? That sounds right. I think you're right. Tell me I'm right. <laughs> yeah, 34. Yeah, after 34 years, literally two weeks ago, they come up with new information in this case. Is that not insane? So this I remember because Morgan texted me with no context. Just Yeah, because I refused to tell her anything about this case. So she knew I was searching it. <laughs> Like, she literally just texted me, like, all caps, and was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And I was like, what? 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 What happened? What did I miss? She's like, they just released new information. And I was like, on what? And she was like, I can't tell None you. And I was like, what do you want me to do about but this? like, that blows my mind. Like, after 34 years. Yeah. And it's like, I was actually going to do this episode, like, weeks ago, like, a month ago. But mm-hmm. I was like, no, I don't think I'm ready and I, like, had kind of, like, researched it so much that, like, my brain was, like, just complete mush. And I was, like, I'm not ready to do this yet. Yeah. And literally two weeks later, they came out with new information. It's just fate and it's crazy. And that's insane. It's, it's fucking insane. Um, So we still have no idea who his daughter is. We have no idea who the mom is. Like, that has not been figured out at all. Yeah. Um, But we did identify in June of 2019 all of the women in the barrels, except, for, like I said, his daughter. Yeah. Um. So, the woman is Marlise Elizabeth Honeychurch. The older girl is her daughter Marie Elizabeth Vaughn, and the younger girl is her daughter Sarah Lynn McWaters. Okay. So now, oh no! Hopefully, this is not confusing. I'm just gonna give you like a quick little walkthrough of her life, so you understand how that like it's gonna fill in some of the gaps yeah. of like the why we talked about the barrels and like. What, what the fuck does Terry involved? Okay. So, 1969, she moves from Connecticut to California, age 15, where she's living with her mom. Her mom's kind of shitty and, like, not doesn't really, like, wash over her very well, so she gets this boyfriend. Oh, jeez. So they get married in June 12th of 1971. She's literally 16, 17. So always a great choice there. Uh, December of that year... Her daughter, her first daughter, is born, Marie. Okay. So obviously she was already pregnant. Yeah, not like three months pregnant when she got married. So surprise. 
a 16 year old who got pregnant before they got married immediately? Who would have guessed? Um, so 1972, she moves to Stamford, Connecticut and lives with her father. Uh, 1973, they moved to Massachusetts. So she also, like, this is kind of strange, like, she also bounces around a lot. Yeah. And she's also kind of a, she's kind of a sketchy girl. I'm not gonna lie. So, like, obviously there's the whole getting pregnant and married at 16 thing. And then, so, okay, so the family is, like, still together at this point. So they moved to Massachusetts in February of 1973. By July of 1973, the dad of Marie, who's never been identified, um, well, they know who it is, but they're not, like, he doesn't want to be publicized. Um, So the dad of the daughter and the daughter moved to Lakewood, California, and no one knows where the fuck Marlise is. She's just gone. Okay. Like, the dad just up and took the daughter, and she's just gone. No one knows where the fuck she is. Uh, But she shows up at the end of the summer of the same year. So, like, probably August. She just shows up and takes her daughter while the dad isn't there. What? When he's at work. She just shows up and takes her. And then, so, February the next year, they divorce, and Marlise gets custody somehow. Yeah, that's interesting, but... Yeah, and her whole life is just fucked. And so then, September of that exact same year, she gets divorced in February. By September, she's married again. Oh, jeez. Uh, so she... Um, I think she marries a soldier, too, because that's not, like, verified. But of she, course she did. Well, she was living at Camp Pendleton, Pendleton in San Diego. Duh, Penda. Yeah, so Artemis. she has to, like, be married. Or, I mean, be married to, like, a soldier. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's in May, right? She's living in Camp Pendleton. December of 1975 is when Terry Rasmussen had showed up okay. with that random girl. We still don't know who the random girl is, but just, like, a little context of how this fits into our story. Yeah. Okay. So, January of 1976. We're not really sure where she is. Uh, She kind of bounced around to a different part of California. But March 30th of 1976, Marie is brought to the base clinic with scarlet fever. Oh. And like we said, she was found with symptoms of pneumonia when she passed, which... Like, scarlet fever and pneumonia could get pretty yeah, easily, like, mixed up. Somewhere, and scarlet fever... Also, how the fuck did she get scarlet fever? Even in 1976, like, scarlet yeah, fever was, like, insane. done. I don't even know how the fuck she would have possibly gotten such an archaic disease. But, like, go off Marie, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. It's she- also probable that it was just pneumonia, but a dumbass doctor who was, like, fresh out of medical school was like, this looks like scarlet fever. Yeah, so, you know, who the fuck knows? Um, August of that year, uh, the dad has the last contact with Marie ever. So, no, he never saw her again after August of 1976. Okay. December 13th of 1977, she has her daughter, Sarah. 1978, her and her hus- her second husband separate. Surprise, surprise. Wow, I'm shocked. Oh, this shit gets so fucking annoying. Okay, so August 30th of 1978, the father gets temporary custody. Okay. By October, literally a few days later, he is already dating another woman and has given Sarah back. Sure. Well, they're actually not sure where Sarah is, but they're assuming she's back with her mother. So literally, like, in two weeks, he, like, found another girlfriend It was like, oh, yeah, fuck my daughter, get out of here. This was the one that she was living at Camp Pendleton with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely in the military. 
Yeah. No offense, guys. I love all of you to death. And, like, especially all of my friends that are in the military. Mm-hmm. But, like, you way. know that some of y'all just bounce like crazy. So then, this is where it really, like, connects back. November of 1978, she's last seen in La Puente. At, coincidentally, again, Thanksgiving with her family, the one and only time they met her boyfriend, Terry Rasmussen. Sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, And that was the only time they ever had contact with him, and she left with him and her two daughters. Who all die. Hmm, But he did not have his daughter at this time. That's one of the reasons people don't know where the fuck she came from. Like, no one knows where the fuck this girl came from. Like, who her mom is. They just know that he's the dad. Hmm. Um, So, it obviously gets very confusing. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so December of 1978, the last seen photo of Marie is found uh, on her birthday. Like, it's a picture of her, like, at a birthday party yeah. with some random people that they've never identified. Okay, so 1980, January 1980, Elizabeth Evans signs for a certified letter at Terry's re- residence. So, okay, so in November, he was with Marlies. Yeah. Marlies Elizabeth Honeychurch. Now, in January of 1980, two months later, there's suddenly an Elizabeth Evans signing oh, for things yeah. at his thing. So when he moved, he changed his name to Robert T. Evans and got, like, fake documents, obviously. And so now he could easily do the same for her. She is now Elizabeth Evans. That makes sense. I buy it. But also, you have to think. Okay, so January Evans, she signs for a pet. January Evans. January 1980, Elizabeth Evans signs for a letter at his residence. Mm-hmm. So she is alive. February and May of 1980 are when he got arrested, remember? Mm-hmm. And he listed her as his spouse. But October of 1980, he's arrested again. She's not listed as his spouse. So somewhere between May of 1980 and October of 1980, she ceased to exist. But we know that she ceases to exist at the same time that her daughter ceased to exist. But that's all we really know. And then it jumps ahead in, like, 1981. He's with Denise Bogarden, who goes missing with her daughter, who's last seen with her boyfriend, Terry. So. My brain hurts so much. I know. I told you your brain was gonna hurt. This is... It's insane. So much fuckery. It's literally so convoluted. Like, you could not make any of this up. It's literally so ridiculous. Yeah, so you see why when I was listening to this, I was like, I have to dive deeper. Like, these things don't add up. Yeah. Because they don't. And, like, no one seems to really, like, care. Like, I mean, I guess, like, literally, like, they literally just found out who these girls are. Like, two weeks ago. This happened 34 years ago. Literally, Denise Bogarden, I think, was literally, she was only, um, marked as missing, like, a couple of years ago. Like, three years ago. What? Like, no one even cared that ever that she, like, disappeared. Yeah, like, she's only just now, like, a couple years ago, been officially marked as, like, missing and presumed dead. My brain. Yeah. So, 
It's a lot of fuckery. Okay, so obviously, all of the four women in the barrels mm-hmm. and Yu Sun Jun were all his victims. Yeah. And we're going to put Denise Bogart in because she was with him. She disappeared exactly the same as other people later on. Right. Um, so we know that the four women in the barrels died some, some point between May of 1980 and October of 1980. Yeah. And then Denise disappeared somewhere between November of 1981 and 1986. We have no idea when. So. Yeah. So, police work. Obviously. Top notch. Um, but this is the part where I was kind of like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Because <gasps> someone wouldn't kill, like... Like, if they're killing this many, like, spouses and stuff, like, they're not just killing these people like once people like this like get a taste for killing they're not just gonna like yeah stop like they don't just do it when it's convenient for them and also like they all showed up with the exact same mo which was blunt force trauma to the head and like i don't know if you know but like it's very very rare for like serial killers to like do something once and be like oh yep that was it like that was the perfect never gonna try it any other way that was perfect yeah like they rarely start with like the thing that they end on so, like, for him, them all to have consistently blunt force trauma to the head, like, there was probably more There's before more. this that were not blunt force trauma to the head or just, like, were not connected to him. And then also they kind of were just like, oh, yeah, like, that's it. He just killed those couple of people. And I was like, there's no fucking way. Like, someone who's been killing this regularly would not. Also, like, why was he trying so hard to be under the radar at all times and, like, changing his name, changing states every couple of months? Yeah. That doesn't add up. So, just literally just recently, it bothers me how recent all of these discoveries are, seeing as this happened so long ago. Yeah. Um, but Jack Levin, who is a Northeastern University criminologist, he identified two more victims, for sure. Um, so, in 1940, April 14th, he killed 14-year-old Lorraine Ron. She disappeared from her house on Merrimack Street in Manchester, New Hampshire where he was obviously living. This is in between his, like, two arrests, because he had that one in February and one in May. Uh, He he literally lived a mile away from her, and her body was found with blunt force head trauma. Of course. Um, So June of 1980, right after his second arrest, um, Denise Denault, which, say that (laughs) five times fast, I hate it. Denise Denault, Denise Denault, Denise Denault, Denise Denault, Denise Denault. Yeah, she's 23 and a mother of two. Also sound familiar? Yeah. Um, he has a type. Um, she disappeared from a bar that was, like, on the corner of Merrimack and Union Street, uh, but they never found her remains. Um, but when, later on, you know how I said in 2016 they, like, released that interview? Yeah. People came forward and said, like, they had been talking at the bar and they left together. Ugh. And he also lived on the same street as her, like, literally, like, half a mile away from her. And then he also confessed to killing... Um, in 1984, on May 24th, Elizabeth Lamont goes missing from the youth center. So, like, okay, essentially it was, like, a juvie, sort okay. of. But you, like, could earn more freedom. And she got, like, a day pass to, like, go to a stadium in oh, honey. Manchester, New Hampshire. <sighs> no. Um, And her brothers donated DNA in 2017, and they found her as a Jane Doe. Um, she'd been found in 1985 in April, 
like in Tennessee, like on the side of an interstate. Mm. Um, and they ended up connecting, obviously, her DNA. Yeah. Um, I guess with blunt force trauma to the head? Yep. She died from blunt force trauma to the head, and she'd been dead for a couple weeks before she was found. And he, like, not only has this been connected to him, but, like, he just straight up confessed to that one as well. Ah. Um, and people for a while thought that she was the Elizabeth. So that's kind of, like, one of my theories. Because, like, some people think she's the Elizabeth. But so. that wouldn't work because they don't fucking pay attention to dates, and that was four years before. Yeah, this. No, I'm with you. About so it being... people are fucking dumb. Yeah. Uh, plus, I think it's way too much of a coincidence that not only was she with him at the time, but her middle name is Elizabeth, mm-hmm. like the other girl who died. So those people are fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so this is the part. Okay, so all of those are other people. These are the ones that I have connected. Like, personally, oh, worked on. Um, like I said, I've literally gone through thousands, thousands of women in every state that he's ever been documented to visit. I've mapped out every location they were found and where they disappeared from and, like, how long it would take him to drive there and everything. It's ridiculous. I will post pictures of all of my stuff. Are you okay? It's insane. I'm not okay. <laughs> um, I'm actually only going to go into, like, a couple of these uh, because there's literally quite a, a lot. There's a lot. So I'm just going to read their names. Yeah. I'm going to touch on a couple, and then I'm just going to read the names of the others. And I'm just going to make a mini episode where, like, I talk about, like, in more depth, like, the dates so they disappeared and the places and all of those things. all of that information to, like, the FBI? And then, like, they're going to credit us, and then we're going to get, like, a Pulitzer, and we're going to be really, really popular. Exactly. I'm just going to send this episode and the mini episode and a link to our Patreon uh, <laughs> to the FBI. Yeah, like, we did your job for you. Now you're welcome. Pay us. <laughs> okay, so these are the ones. Okay, I have them marked into like three categories, which are very likely mm-hmm. possible. Like he was like in the area, he was around, and then I have like long shots where like he wasn't too far out of the area, and it's kind of his mo, but like. Might. Kind of a long yeah. shot. Yeah, exactly okay. what I said. All right, so the very likelies I have are um, Corinne June Gronenberg. She okay. disappeared um, November 1st of 1973 in Modesta, California. Mm-hmm. So she um, left her family's house in Modesto, began hiking down the highway because she had like had an argument with them and was like storming oh, off. She, she was like, like a trouble teen. Yeah. Um, so a friend saw her enter a blue and green truck with an, an identified male driver, words are hard, and then she was never heard from again. So one of the reasons I think this is so likely, besides the fact that he was literally here, mm-hmm. um, is that it was really similar to, like, the Elizabeth case. Like, she yeah. was kind of a troubled teen, she was hitchhiking, she got picked up by a driver, was never seen from again. Um, then there's Angelica Lagoria. She disappeared November 23rd of 1985 in El Monte, California. Um, she had started dating an older man who's never been identified. Ew. And her parents were, like, upset about it because she was young. So she left the house after having an argument as well and never returned. And, like I said, no one knows who the older man was. Of course they don't. So I thought that's also suspiciously kind of. Yeah. And he was, like, also, like I said, literally in the city. And then Georgiana. George. Jana. Yes. I That name is hard and I hate it. And I've typed it so many times and I hate it. I'm sorry. Uh, Murray, she just, uh, miss, went missing, where's her heart, in March 8th of 89 in San Luis Obispo, California, which she also was. She called her mother to say that her car had broken down on the highway, 
Her mother sent her $50 to help with car repairs, but she never picked up the money and she was never heard from again. So also kind of fits. She was also really young, pretty, side of the road, gets picked up and is never heard from again. Yeah. In another city where he was at the exact same time. And then there also was a Jane Doe that was found in, I also hate this word, Coco Nino? Bless you. County in Arizona who also died from his, like, exact M.O. and was dumped in the same way as Elizabeth, just, like, on the side of the road. But I couldn't find anything where they estimated, like, when that happened. So it's hard to say if he was, like, actually in Arizona or not, but it was, like, in the same area that he was in Arizona and, like, obviously exactly what he did to other girls that we know for sure. Um, And then, like I said, I'm just going to read these other ones, but you'll have to visit our beautiful Patreon (laughs) to learn all about these girls. To see Morgan's insanity. It's a lot. So I have, I'm just going to read their names, like I said. Uh, For possibles, I have Christine Marie Easton um, of Hayward, California. Oh, man, this is a name. Marsha Arlen Medler Fisher of Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Mary Jill Adams of West Hollywood, California, Sylvia Lordy Stanley of Modesto, California, Stephanie Agnew Grant of Oakland, California, Lillian Irene Estrada of Spring Valley, California, Jennifer Joyce Downs of San Jacinto, California, Arlene Kazuko Suji of Aptos, Santa Cruz, California, Audrey Marie Cox of Pomona, California, Barbara Jean Nunez of Fairfield, California, Rebecca Margaret Peterson of Santa Cruz, California, Lorena Franco of East Palo Alto, California, and Cynthia and Jackie Leslie of Mesa, Arizona. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, But those are all, like, pretty weirdly suspicious. They also have very similar, like, ways that they disappeared in the same areas at the same time periods. Right. Um, And also, if any of these names are familiar and you're like, hey... Uh, that's my cousin, and we actually think her boyfriend did it, or something. I did as much digging as possible on all of these, but, like, obviously stuff like that, like, is... She tried her best. Yeah, and that's, like, stuff I used to, like, rule out others. Like, Mm because there were some where they were like, oh, yeah, they disappeared in the same way, but she had an argument with her boyfriend. We know who her boyfriend is, and he was brought into custody. Like, I excluded all of those. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, this is purely my conjecture, and if I'm wrong, I have no problem being wrong. Um, and I have less long shots. Um, it's just Ingrid a- Angela Anderson, which is, wow, that is. That's a name. Ingrid Angela Anderson. I've never had to say that out loud. And it's kind of a mouthful. Of uh, Richmond, California. Beatrice Lozano Rodriguez of El Paso, Texas. Sally Margaret Reed of Opelousas. Opelousas? Louisiana. Yikes. <laughs> Carolyn Jean, Jean, Jean? I don't know. Holloway of Richardson, Texas. Uh. uh, Sally Ann Schneider of San Anselmo, California. Wow, these names are hard. Um, Olga Beatrice Mullenhauer of Pasadena, California. And Olga. When- I know. I know. And then Wendy James Abrams Nishikai of Berkeley, California. Yikes. That was a lot. That was, yeah. That, like that I said, Patreon will explain. It, it will explain in more depth if you're interested in, like, how these girls connect and more. But, like, I'm not trying to make this ep- episode three hours long. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, there you go. It's a whole lot of fucking That was a lot. 
Yeah, and like I said, like, it'll still update, and, like, as more information gets released, which I'm sure it will, like, I'll definitely make, like, another mini-episode and just be like, hey, this is new Here's information. Yeah. Uh, but holy fuck, dude. I don't... Is that not a shit show or what? completely insane. Oh, man. Like I said, it's not even like he's that brutal. It's just literally yeah, just, it's like, just... how did you get away with all this for so long? Um, what the fuck? How are you arrested under so many aliases? Like, I don't... Also, like, I'm sorry. I love that they're just like, oh, yeah, well, he probably didn't kill anyone else. Like, excuse no. me, where, where are you, Mr. FBI man? Shouldn't you be doing this job? Why am I doing this job? <laughs> why, why am I doing this? Also, if you did this job, send me the information, I'll help. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> but, yeah, I just got very invested in this one, and it's just... I... It's so fucky. I have a case oh, like man. this that... <sighs> It's not even, like, there's these people all over the place where, like, maybe he did it. He, like, straight up confessed to, like, 20-some-odd murders, but they only charged him with three because they were like, well, we're putting him away for life anyway on these three, so, like, why should we care about the 20 other that he admitted to? No! People need closure! (laughs) Like, why are you like this? Yeah, it really bothers me that they haven't, like, really done much with these, like, barrel bodies i suppose yeah that's insane i'm really interested i want to find more about like his daughter like i want to know where she comes from because like oh like how she came into the mix and who her mom is exactly because like this girl the Marsha arlen medler fisher wow i hate that uh but she lived um in the same area where his daughter was born and raised like around the same time period Okay. And she was very, um, yeah, because she went missing two years before the two-year-old girl was found. Okay. Um, or three years, sorry. But the girl was between two to four, so, like, that's a that's still appropriate works. time frame. And she, like, was very, like, interesting. Uh, but she was also kind of like Marlise, where she was, like, not terribly horrible, but, like, a little sketchy and unreliable. Yeah. And I uh, wouldn't be that surprised if she... And everyone kind of thought she, like, ran off with a boyfriend. Oh, okay. And stuff. So, like, sounds a little similar to, like, what we've heard over and over again. So... That's insane. I'm interested. But, like, at this point, they probably would have to get, like, her DNA from someone else. Because yeah. they don't have her body. We'll see how this fuckery unfolds because clearly still unfolding somehow i can't even yeah this whole thing is just blown my mind that's why i haven't talked about it for so long my brain literally like it just gave up you have to like marinate on it now like now it makes so much sense to me but i know it makes no sense to anyone else i'm like not gonna sleep tonight because i'm gonna obsess over this and the best part is that when this episode comes out my mom (laughs) you know my mom Oh, she's going to lose her shit. going to lose her mind. Dude, I think my will, too. Oh, my God. I'm not. Yes, I need to hear more theories on this because I am so obsessed and, like, I have put a too much, too much time <laughs> into this. She's officially Someone please help me. <laughs> passing the ball to you guys. She's done all she can. It's your ball now. <laughs> it's your ball now. Your ball now. Not my ball. I don't want it back. I don't want it back. FBI agent that we know has pinged our phones by now. It's your ball now. It's your ball. <laughs> I will give you all of the information. And, like, I know I always say follow our Patreon, but, like, 
Seriously, guys, like, I'm gonna put so much information about this, including a mini episode, so, like... Yeah, she's gonna info dump on there, and it's gonna be insane. You should. I mean, I'll probably have the mini episode. It might be available to some of our tiers, but, like, I'll definitely at least make my notes available to everyone. Yeah. I literally have a notebook that's literally half full over this case. Oh my god. Like, I've told you, like, I started with thousands of girls, and I have narrowed them all down by hand. Are you okay? No. <laughs> you I, need need to do this a, I need to do this as a job. Like, can someone please just make this my job? Because I, I clearly have a problem. Do you need a hobby? Or is this your hobby? I think this is my <laughs> hobby. <laughs> Maybe I need a new hobby. I, yeah. Go outside. Take a walk. Uh, go kayaking or something. I actually want to go kayaking. I love kayaking. Okay, the same. But anyways. Uh, yeah, so... Holy shit. <laughs> I don't even... I can't. I can't even think about it anymore. My brain hurts. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm sure you will have many questions. Please yeah. send me the questions. Feel free I will to reach out to Feel us free to answer this. them because I have too much knowledge in my brain and I need to spill it out. <laughs> um, also... I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Um, if it, like, gets really confusing and I have a lot of questions, I can always just do, like, an Instagram live. That's true. And cover all of the questions because, holy shit, <laughs> it's fucking confusing. Yeah. And I'm sorry. That's, uh, that was a lot. That was a lot. See, I'm good. Yeah, so Follow us on all things. <laughs> all of them. Right now. Facebook, YouTube, Podbean. I said it right that time. Yeah, uh, Patreon, Patreon, Spotify, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the things. Those are just bitches and murders podcast. Um, Twitter is and murders, and Instagram is at bitches and murders podcast. Mm-hmm. Business email is be and murders podcast at gmail. And uh, yeah, please ask questions. I know this yeah. is confusing as fuck. Uh, you know, I've been there. I've been there. And like, okay, stay spooky. But not so spooky that you change your name 12 times and kidnap, like, 80 people and leave them in barrels. And, like, not that spooky. Not that spooky. That's a little too spooky. That was a little too too much. Dial it back. Not that spooky. (laughs) 